This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Hi, everybody. I'm Ed Randall, and welcome to the MLB.com podcast. I'm joined by our draft and minor league experts, Jim Callis and uh, Jonathan Mayo. Greetings to both of you guys. With the 11th pick in the first round of the draft two years ago, the New York Mets selected out of a California high school left-handed first baseman Dominic Smith. He just finished up at the high A St. Lucie Mets of the Florida State League and batted 305 with 79 runs batted in. The Mets like his bat speed and his power, and we like the fact that Dominic Smith is with us right now. Dominic, welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. Great to have you with us. Uh, what changed for you this year? You had a very productive season. Uh, for this year, what changed for me most was hanging around uh, a lot of um, more established hitters. I mean, we had a lot of rehab guys come down and, and uh, pick their brain at the plate, and then also playing with uh, Michael Porter, who's actually in in New York, and he's a uh, he's a good polished bat out of college. So, I mean, I picked up a lot of things from them, and then also sitting down with my hitting coach, going over film and, and seeing what I was doing wrong. And I mean, the main thing I I did wrong in the past year, as opposed to this year, was a lot of drifting with my leg kick. So, I mean, for the most part, I cut that down, and um, it helped me be able to see the ball a lot better and um, I was able to be more productive. And, Dom, did you ever get worried at any point? Uh, you know, I, I know last year I think you hit one home run at Savannah. You know, this year, you know, mid-May, I think you were hitting about 194 and you didn't hit a home run until the end of May. You obviously turned it around. You win the Florida State League MVP award and wind up having a really solid year. But at any point, did you start to worry that, uh, I mean, obviously you have to make some adjustments when you get to pro ball, but, you know, but did you ever start to doubt your own ability? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I would be lying if I said I did it. And I'm sure plenty of ball players out there, especially in the minor leagues, at one point in their career do doubt their own ability. So, I mean, this year, I, I mean, starting off slow, I kind of did doubt it a little bit. And um, I sat down with uh, my hitting, well, actually my hitting coaches and managers sat me down and talked to me and gave me a lot of uh, motivational talks that, really got my mind off of it, and I really stopped stressing about it. And um, it helped me uh, be able to go out every day and play baseball and have fun opposed to worry about the numbers. And I mean, when I had that mindset, a lot of things changed. Also, with working, uh, extra work in the cage and fixing a couple of things. I'm not that you're ever going to use, you know, home ballparks as an excuse, but, you know, you play in Savannah, and then you play in St. Lucie. Are you? Do you want to just go to the Mets and beg them to to have some like like hitting friendly ballparks for you to to hit in instead of uh, <laughs> these places where it's almost impossible to hit a ball out? Uh, I feel like those uh, big ballparks I played in made me better hitters for sure. Um, my hitting coordinator, my field coordinator, uh, my hitting coach, my manager, 
they always preach to me, learn how to hit first and the power will come. So uh, playing in these big parks really just taught me how to hit, how to how to use the gaps, um, and it showed me how to be uh, a better hitter first. And then um, when the power come, um, I don't really worry too much about it. I did at first, but talking to all my coordinators, I mean, they really relieved a lot of stress that I did put on myself. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think too much about it. I know a lot of guys who went up to Double A and Triple A said that it's a lot, uh, a lot easier. Um, the hidden parts are a little bit better. So, but I'm excited to go up there next year and see what I can do. Hey, Dom, uh, the one thing I noticed when I was looking over your your career thus far is. You know, one of the things I think is probably the most difficult adjustment or one of the more difficult adjustments to make when you get into pro ball is just the quality of pitching that you see, you know, especially the breaking balls. But, but so far in your career, I think you've hit lefties just as well as you've hit right-handers. Has that always been the case for you? Have you found the, the adjustment to facing quality breaking balls as, as difficult or maybe a little bit easier than you thought it might have been coming into pro ball? Oh, that's a good question, uh, when I say for lefties in the minor leagues, for sure, I mean, you will run through your your fair share of that. Just um, absolutely make you look uh, full to set the plate and and seems like they're unhittable. And then you'll come across some who, who uh, leave the ball over the plate a little bit more than others. The breaking balls aren't as sharp as others. But um, just really working on just staying closed. And uh, a lot of lefties throw two-seamers that run back over the plate, so I'll try to just look for some out over the plate that I can uh, just get extended to. and I try to jump on a lot of early fastballs or hanging breaking balls, but uh, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, when I hit left, even I go on a little fuck against them, is when I start pulling off and opening up my front hip and flying open. Um, but it, when I'm staying close and letting the ball get deep, then uh, it's a little bit easier. Well, Dom, you'll get uh, sort of a, a little bit of a head start in terms of maybe what you know the, the upper levels will will be like when you when you head out to Arizona for for the fall league season. Uh, what did it mean to you that you know the Mets wanted you to go? You know, knowing that uh, there are not a ton of guys from A-ball that that go. Uh, and what are you hoping to to get out of that experience? You know, extending the season for you know another seven weeks or so for you. I was truly honored when the Mets asked me to go to the Fall League, and I felt really accomplished, and I was really happy that I was chosen to go. And uh, I know a ton of players who played in that league, and just said it's really, it's really the true test of uh, the the best of the best. So I'm excited. I'm ready to go and just show what I can do, and um, also you have fun and, and learn the game because constantly every day you you try to learn baseball and. Um, you do that by watching other players and playing against uh, really good players. So I think it should be a great experience. And um, I'm playing against a lot of a lot of top quality uh, uh, players. So I just want to uh, see what I can do and compete against the older level guys. Was the plan all along, Dom? As you understood that you'd go to Arizona Fall League, or was part of it that you missed the last ten days or, or so of the season with a? I think what was reported is shoulder stiffness. Do you know what the plan was originally, and how is your shoulder feeling now? The plan along was for me to go to the fall league, and I think uh, since this happened, I mean, it made it a lot easier to send me. But, uh, yeah, my shoulder's feeling great. I'm going to take a little bit of BP today, so 
we'll see how it goes. I haven't swung in uh, probably three weeks since the, since uh, I actually hurt my shoulder. So um, I'm kind of excited, you know. I'm ready to get back playing baseball, watching these games on MLB, especially the mess, how well they're doing. It's it's pretty exciting, and it it, it makes me itch to want to get out there and play. You get to go out there and play, maybe watch the Mets play in the postseason. And one of the other things that's great about the the folly before we let you go, Dom, is you get to sort of catch up with maybe guys that you knew or you played against or, or maybe you knew back in high school. Uh, I, I talked to J.P. Crawford uh, right when the rosters were initially announced, and you weren't on that initial grouping. Uh, but uh, I know he's excited to be out there with you. I mean, how much fun is it going to be? Uh, to be with a guy that you knew back in high school, and are there other guys like that that you're looking forward to to catching up with while you're out there? Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm so excited um, that I'm going to be able to play with JP and also be in the same state and, and just spend a lot of quality time with him. And He's an excellent ball player and um, a really good friend of mine, and uh, I'm excited to catch up with him and just really just hang out. <laughs> I moved to Florida after I got drafted, and he still lived in California. So um, we really didn't catch up that first off season or the second one. So uh, it should be fun just seeing him play every day. And I mean, I'm proud of him. It ended up so well, and and uh, obviously he's a he's a great player. And um, I'm excited for that. And there's also other guys like Reese McGuire, who I played with in high school, and Austin Meadows. We were out to live. We both were committed to SC, so that should be that should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's a it's a lot of guys on the list that I uh, that I'm looking forward to catching up with. All right, Dom. Well, uh, we'll let you get prepared for that. Get back in the cage, and uh, I know Jim and I are both looking forward to to seeing you out in Arizona when we're out there. So thanks uh, for very much for joining us. Thanks. Oh, great. Thank you guys for having me. Dominic Smith was just one player who improved his play off last year. What about other prospects who did the same? Start with you, Jim. Well, I think uh, the guy who jumps out for me the most is probably another Mets prospect, Gavin Cicchini, another high school first-round pick. In, in 2014, he, he kind of struggled at the plate, and, and he had earlier in his pro career, too. But 2014, he had 247 with a 707 ops, uh, mostly between two Class A teams. This year he goes to Double A. He hits three seventeen with an eight nineteen on base plus slugging, and you know really took a huge step forward in his development. I mean it's it's interesting. Uh, you know I, I think when he was a first round pick, he, he was somewhat of a discount pick. That's part of the reason why he went as high as he did in the draft. He went twelfth overall in two thousand twelve, and I think the, the profile of him was that he he has good not great tools, kind of a steady across the board type, which. When he didn't hit a lot the, the first couple full seasons in pro ball, there were some questions as to what his future might be. But, but this year he's shown that he can swing the bat. He's got a little bit of gap power. I, I don't think he's a plus defender in short, but he's a solid defender. And uh, this year he, he looks a lot more like what the Mets were hoping he would be when they took him 12th overall in 2012. What about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm going I'm to actually stay with uh, with the 2012 draft. Uh, the Blue Jays took D.J. Davis uh, in the first round, just about uh, five picks after the Mets took Chikini. And, and knowing that he was this you know kind of raw, toolsy, speed type of player, and sometimes those guys uh, can take a, a little bit longer to figure things out. Sometimes those guys never figure it out. But uh, you look at his 2014 uh, where he had a 583 OPS 
he hit 213, and he struck out 167 times in 542 at-bats. He also stole 19 bases but got caught 20 times. So look ahead to 2015. He repeats a level, which is never uh, necessarily a, a bad thing, uh, especially when you're young. Uh, and, and that OPS jumped to 731. Uh, still not walking enough, but the strikeout rate went from 167, like I said, in 542 at-bats to 119 strikeouts in 554 at-bats. And he started getting uh, a little more uh, adept at using his speed on the base pass. He stole 21 bases, got caught 10 times. Uh, so uh, a lot of improvement. His batting average went up 70 points. His on-base percentage uh, went up, uh, you know, 70-plus points as well. So a lot of signs pointing in the right direction for D.J. Davis, and I think if it continues to to come together, he could be that kind of top-of-the-order catalyst that I think the Blue Jays hoped they were getting uh, when they took him in that 2012 draft. Uh, to another subject, the Arizona Fall League opens play, as we all know, October 13th, and the teams continue to fortify their rosters. Jonathan, back to you. Tell us about the additions. Yeah, and it's kind of a fluid thing with the Fall League. A lot of teams don't announce who's going until, you know, after the minor league seasons are completely over, the playoffs are going, and, uh, you know, we know Tom Smith is going, and, and Gavin Cicchini is going also. So uh, I tip my cap to the Mets for uh, improving the Fall League uh, just with some of their additions. Uh, I think probably the one other team, uh, you know, that has uh, improved the, the Fall League coffers, um you know, uh, were the Rockies. Uh, Kyle Freeland, uh, for, you know, former first-round pick, uh, has had, had some injuries. Uh, he, he's going to be out there throwing. And David Dahl, uh, the, the very talented outfielder who had real serious injury, uh, is coming, you know, has come back and, and will play there. So th- those are probably the guys that sort of jumped out the most to me. Uh, Jim, I don't know if they're guys that you've seen that have been added uh, since then uh, that really – that you're looking forward to seeing the most uh, that weren't on those initial rosters. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Most of the the best additions have all been on the Salt River Rafters roster. You know, you mentioned Dominic Smith and, and Gavin Cicchini. Those are guys who I think were at late ads because the Mets didn't announce their players immediately. You know, David Dahl and, and Kyle Freeland also on that Salt River Rafters roster. And then Trey Turner got added as a taxi squad player to that team a couple of days ago, which means he can play twice a week, which is the same role he had last year after he was a first-round pick of the Padres. But that's uh, you know, four top 100 prospects and then a fifth in Kyle Freeland, who, who was a top 100 guy before he had some minor injury problems this season. All those, uh, I think, are probably the five best players added to any roster. And then the other guy who intrigues me a little bit um, on Mesa is Jared Cozart, a big leaguer, obviously not a prospect, yeah. but a guy with a tremendous arm, and uh, he'll get some needed innings down there as well. Yeah, I like um, uh, Cozart was a guy that jumped out to me. I, Jason Garcia, the Orioles, was kind of interesting. He's the guy they took in, in the Rule 5 draft, uh, and the Orioles love his arm, but he was hurt uh, most of the year. So, uh, you know, he's not a high-profile prospect, but especially given that the Fall League tends to be really hitting heavy, uh, and there's not a ton of great pitching. Adding a guy who has has an electric arm is good. You know, I, I don't totally get the Trey Turner thing. Um, you know, I understand it, especially because they brought him up in September, and he hadn't played a whole lot. 
but why put him on the taxi squad? It makes me think that maybe he's going to be uh, just getting work in, maybe, I don't know, at second base, uh, just to get some more time and reps without playing games. Um, I, I, I was trying to figure out why they would add a, a guy of that caliber but only limit him to playing twice a week. Yeah, well, I, and I don't know if he necessarily plays second because I think the expectation is that Ian Desmond will leave. But, you know, nothing about the, the last couple months with Trey Turner has made sense. I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. You know, we were both excited. When the Nationals called him up August 21st, they kind of needed a spark. And he's been up for a month, and he's got 15 at-bats. Uh, I'm not sure what that's accomplished uh, in terms of, you know, that you promote him to big leagues well before you had to. You start a service time clock ticking. You know, your team in need of a spark, and he literally has started two games for them, and most of his action has come as a pinch runner or pinch hitter or late in defensive replacement. It seems like kind of a waste. So I, I don't know, you know, but at the same time, you know, playing him only twice a week, it's not like you're going to make up for the at-bats he would have had if you'd left him in AAA for three more weeks. So I don't really understand what the Nationals are doing with Trey Turner. None of it's going to ruin his career, but none of it really makes sense to me either. Well, there'll be additional uh, additions uh, to the roster uh, of the Arizona Fall League teams, and uh, we look forward to uh, getting uh, that information from you guys as events warrant. That'll do it for us. Uh, thank you both, guys, and also our great thanks to uh, Dominic Smith. And on behalf of Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks for listening to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. Thank you both. And on behalf of Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks for listening to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast.